Our scripture lesson for today, I hope you know it. Uh, It's from the book of Acts chapter 2, verses 42 to 43. Uh, It will sound a little different to you though today. It's out of the common English Bible. Sometimes it's good for us to hear the word of the Lord in a new way. I pray that happens for you today. Let's share God's good word together. The believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the community, to their shared meals, and to their prayers. A sense of awe came over everyone. God performed many wonders and signs through the apostles. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. Please be seated. Well, thanks for being here today. Happy birthday, church. Yeah, that's good. Good, good. So on on special occasions like these, um, you know, we've got lots of new folks with us these days. And uh, some of you were with us before we had any building. Some were with the first building or the second building and now the third building. Now, what you may not know is every time that we have um, created a space, um, right at the center of that space um, in the chapel, it's right where the, if we had pulpits, where the pulpit would be. Um, Here, it's, it's right there, right here in the center. Um, Underneath all the concrete and in the children's building, it's right there as you enter um, the building. There's a Bible placed there so that every time we enter, we know that when we come to worship or we come to serve, that we are based, first of all, in the Word of God. And that's that's our guide, that everything we believe is a United Methodist, everything needed for salvation is right here. You don't need anything else. And that points us, of course, to the cross of Jesus Christ. And so in every building, right at the entrance or the preaching point, we put crosses right there with the Bible. And then our prayer is that the Lord would give us at least the faith of a mustard seed. That just with that, it's not about us, but Lord, give us just even a little bit of the faith of the mustard seed and, and we'll watch you do what you do, Lord. We'll just listen to you. And so every time you come on this campus, and whether it's in building A, building B, or building C, just know that every time you, you come in, you are coming in to a church that's based on the Word of God, centered on the cross of Jesus Christ, and filled with the people of God, not with great faith, but just the faith of a mustard seed and a great God Amen. who answers prayers. So we're glad to have you um, with us today. We're so glad to have Bishop Nunn with us, uh, Jimmy Nunn. He is the bishop not only of all of Oklahoma, uh, but also the Indian Missionary Conference and also Northwest Texas. So he is a very busy man, and it's such a delight to have you um, carve out your schedule to be with us today. I know you have other engagements still working um, after us, so thank you for it all. Um, He really blessed us first service, and um, as he comes, um, let's pray together. Lord God, we thank you for Bishop Nunn. We thank you for Mary, his wife, his children, his grandchildren. And we pray your blessings on them. We pray that your Holy Spirit that has come to rest on us here would fill him now and bless him as he brings your word. Speak through him. Bless him, his body, mind, spirit, and relationships. You'd heal and bless him in every way and bless his family. We thank you that he has blessed us. We thank you for your presence in him, his leadership that you've placed in him, and we thank you for him. In Jesus' name. And a whole agree, say? Amen. Amen. Will you welcome Bishop Nunn? Happy birthday. (laughs) 
y'all look pretty good for 25. (laughs) And you know who I'm talking to. So anyway, it is great to be with you today. I've been so looking forward to it. And uh, it's just such a wonderful blessing to be here. I know you were really blessed by the music I was. I mean, it's just like, golly, how can you not experience the presence of Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit when this band gets up and plays and leads us in worship? Y'all are so blessed and so lucky, aren't you? If you are, say amen. (laughs) All right, I knew you'd do that. So anyway, um, you know, we have a little tradition when we have a birthday, that you have a birthday cake, and uh, you light the candles, and then you're supposed to, what do you do next? You make a wish and blow out the candles. Well, I've got little grandchildren. One of them was two last year, be three the next time. It's really fun to watch a two-year-old who doesn't know how to blow (laughs) try to blow, and her big brother just jumps right in and blows the whole cake away, you know, but I mean, it's like, uh, that's, uh, that's something that's kind of fun. And I got to thinking about that though. It's like make a wish and blow out the candles. And I sort of thought, I think I'm going to change that. And, and what I'd really like to change it to, and, and for the church, maybe change it to is make a life and light a candle so make your life like the life, like the life of Jesus and light a candle so that all the world can see the light of Christ shining in you. So on this birthday, you can still blow out a candle if you want to, but make a life and light your candle and just let people see the grace and the love of God flow through you. Acts 2.42 has been a favorite scripture of mine, really, since I became a Christian. And coming to Acts 2, would you want me to preach out of Acts 1 today? (laughs) (laughs) Or Acts 28, or Acts Acts 29, which there's not one, that's the church, of course. But, uh, you know, Acts 2.42 is such a, a visionary scripture, and And really, before I move too far, I just want to express my gratitude, Mark, to you and to Chantel for your ministry in this place. The vision it took to to found it and to grow it and to move through it. I wonder if y'all might express a little love for your pastor and his wife. Aren't they great? That's right. That's right. If you want to stand up, you can do that too. Thank you, folks, so much. You are so wonderful. And, uh, and I kind of had a sense that this might be one of your key scriptures, but I thought, I'm going to preach on it anyway. <laughs> so uh, so the, the four practices of the early church, and I moved to common English version a few years ago because I'm just a common English speaker. So it, uh, I could understand it a little better. Some places it's, uh, you know, New Christians say to me, well, I can't understand some of that stuff. And I said, well, just get the common English version. And, uh, and it works. And so the terms are a little bit different. But, uh, but the early church devoted itself to four things. The apostles' teaching, to the community or the fellowship, to meals together, and to prayer. 
And so those are the four things I want to talk about today. The first one is just the apostles' teaching. And I began to ask myself, uh, what is the most important teaching? Because, you know, the Bible's pretty thick. And uh, I bought a big one. Uh, It's not for a long, big sermon. It's because it's got big print. And uh, so anyway, so that's, uh, that's a lot easier for me to be able to see. But what's the most important thing in the Scriptures? And as I pondered that, I thought, you know, somebody came up to Jesus one day. And they tried to entrap him and get him in an argument and all this kind of stuff. And said, what's the greatest commandment, you know? And, uh, and Jesus simply responds... Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. So for me, that became one of the most important, in fact, the most important thing in all of Scripture is that. If you don't remember anything else about the Scriptures... This is a place to plant your flag. It's a thing to remember. It's something to live by. It's something to guide us by, this text. In United Methodist tradition, we've identified two texts as being the most important. And one of them is this one, love God with all that you are and love your neighbor as yourself. And the other is uh, from Matthew uh, 28. And uh, it, it reads, go into all the world and make disciples of all people, baptizing them in the name of the Father and Son, the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey all that Jesus commanded them. These two texts together form the basis of United Methodist faith and practice. For us, that's what we're about. These two things... To love God and to love people and to make disciples of people. That's that's who we are. And everything else, all the other teachings flow out of these basic foundations. Now the disciples devoted themselves not only to this teaching but all the other teachings they had. And they also devoted themselves to the community. The community was both inside the church and, as for us, outside the church as well. So we've got an inside community, we've got an outside community. And uh, so you take those two texts, to love God with all you are, and uh, to love your neighbor, and to make disciples, and you go into the world and make a difference in the world. All through my ministry, I've served local churches for 25 years. And, uh, and then I've been in administration for 20 years, so you know I've had a long road. <laughs> Most of the churches I served were conflict-filled. And, uh, you know, where people just kind of get at each other, and it's really hard to get a, a common vision and all that kind of stuff. And so one day I was trying to think through and pray through, what am I going to do to help this church uh, find some peace with itself and to be able to be an effective church again. And uh, I, I did what most United Methodist pastors don't do. I got down the book of discipline. 
And if you don't know much about church polity or church, the United Methodist Church, the discipline is like our, our guidebook, uh, both spiritually, there's not a whole lot of spirituality in it. There's a little bit in there. There's a lot of law, and there's a lot of committee outlines. I did not read the committee outlines. I did not read the law. I read what was most important to the church. And that was these two texts. And so in that troubled church, I began to say, I, you know, let's just get this down to six words so even I can remember it. Um, here's what our church was about. To love God, to love people, and to make disciples. Well, I mean, that's kind of it. And then I came to Oklahoma and I saw, uh, as, as a bishop, I saw the tremendous work that the church does here in Oklahoma and the difference that our church makes in society. And where, where I lived, we didn't make as big a difference as you do here. And that's a real blessing. And so it made me reflect a little bit about my six words. And I had to add another phrase because I learned something. How about that? (laughs) And I added the words, make a difference. And so today, when you ask me, what's the most important thing of the church and what's my life all about? What's my ministry about? Uh, What are we about? Six, uh, nine words, increase it by 50%, but maybe you can hang on to that. Love God. Love people, make a difference, make a disciple, or make disciples. And at first, I tagged make a difference at the end of the other three. And then it dawned on me one day, you can't make a disciple until you make a difference. And you can't make a difference until you love people. And you can't love people till you love God. And so that's the flow. Love God. Love people. Make a difference. Make disciples. That makes community. And that's what we pay attention to is community. Because we matter. Everybody matters in the eyes of Jesus. Everybody matters in the eyes of God. Everybody matters when the Spirit comes upon us and changes their lives. Everybody matters. So they paid attention to the apostles' teaching. The early church paid attention to the community. And then they paid attention to meals. What else? They ate together. Wouldn't you think that would be the easiest thing you could ever think of to do? You just sit out and eat. Well, I thought that too till I had grandkids. <laughs> and in our house, my wife has table etiquette rules that did not exist before those little children. And I and everybody else in the household have to obey them. First off, I cannot get up and leave the table even though I'm through. I've got to wait on everybody else. Now, that's no fun. (laughs) Second, no TV. 
That's not fun either. Third, I'm prohibited from making faces at the grandchildren that make them cut up and laugh instead of eating their food. And fourth, everybody has to sit at their table and eat dignified-like and all that kind of stuff. That is an entirely foreign culture for my grandchildren. They eat in the den. They have the TV on. They've got their little kid table. They come and go as they want to. It may take them an hour to eat one bite and then come back for another one. And they eat all day long. So you think that eating would be something that we just know how to do without any second thought. When I was uh, working as a director of connectional ministry and a church planter, I planted 10, or helped to plant, 10 Spanish-speaking churches. And uh, we would have our meals together, and I, you know, I'd take my napkin, put it in my lap, and before I knew it, somebody else put another one on the table. And I'd take my napkin, and I thought, well, I, you know, these blue jeans are not that nice, but I'll put another, and here came another napkin. And so it's like, in one culture, put your napkin in your lap, in another culture, have it on the table. Well, the way we eat varies around the world. The English, and I'm one of those, believes that you've got to eat every bite of, of food on your plate or you've insulted the host. The Chinese, on the other hand, believe that if you eat every bite on your plate, you are still hungry and want some more. And that makes for an interesting time. So y'all watch this. The English believe it's a slur on your host's food if you don't clear your plate. Whereas the Chinese feel you're questioning their generosity if you do. At HSBC, we never underestimate the importance of local knowledge. Which is why we have local banks staffed by local people in more countries than anyone else. HSBC, the world's local bank. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Uh, how many of you are going to clean your plate today? <laughs> the world is really different, and we have a lot of different cultures. And you know, in the second chapter of Acts, there were people there from all over the world. You think they all ate the same way? <laughs> they had to come together and learn how to honor one another and respect one another, and they did that around tables. That's a lot of what we're about as a church, too, isn't it? Well, four things. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. 
They devoted themselves to the community. They devoted themselves to meals. And they devoted themselves to prayers. I think the prayers that they talked about there were the, were the hours of prayer where they would go to the, uh, to the temple and pray. And um, our idea of prayer has kind of changed over time. We do have hours and times for prayer, and certainly those things are important. We've learned to pray for each other. We pray for ourselves. We pray for our families, for our nation, our communities, our world. We pray for a lot of stuff. And one of the things that I've really been praying for in United Methodism is that God would once again bless us with the fruit that he's blessed us as a church. And uh, this comes from paragraph 121. Uh, it's It's a wonderful statement to me, but whenever God, or whenever the United Methodist Church has been faithful to our mission... God has blessed our church and done four things for us. One, God has used our church to save people, to heal relationships, to transform social structures, and to spread scriptural holiness, which I just call help people follow Jesus. And that's the way we fulfill our mission. And so that's what I'm really praying for in the church We've seen it historically. We see it today. We see it in this church. Amen? Amen. That God can use us to save us from the very worst. The whole idea of the word salvation comes from the word wholeness. God can make us whole. And as we take communion, just remember we're broken. Christ is whole. Christ is broken to make us whole. That's salvation. And that's grace that we experience and will experience just in a few moments. God can heal any relationship. And we are so broken as a people. We need the grace of God in so many ways. From personal brokenness, uh, families, Uh, our nation, communities, our world. We need healing. Healing that comes only from the grace of God. And social structures, God has used our church to change things where people are treated unjustly and unfairly. That's controversial. But God used our church And we'll continue to use our church to make this world a better place for people, a place of justice and freedom and hope. Finally, this is a place where we learn to follow Jesus. We learn to follow Jesus. That's what we're about. Just very simple. And you know the nice thing about this that... uh, the very end of the text. It simply says, a sense of awe came over everybody. Sense of awe of God's greatness. And God performed many wonders and signs. 
the apostles. God is still in that business today. And God is with us today as we celebrate 25 years. We look forward to the next. And God will continue to work and bless in our midst. Amen? Amen. Amen. God bless you. It's so great to be with you today. Thank you, Pastor. Blessings to you. What a, what a joy to have you with us, and uh, just a great day of celebration. So uh, we want to say thank you to the Lord and to pray um, the prayer that he taught us together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.